You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 706. Plot is the most underestimated of all the major writing skills. Most writers know the value of strong main character and lean, hard-hitting dialogue. But when it comes to plot, they think they're just going to figure it out as they go, which never happens. John Truby. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Today's show is sponsored by Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, how to turn your independent film into a profitable business. It's harder today than ever before for independent filmmakers to make money with their films. From predatory film distributors ripping them off to huckster film aggregators who prey upon them, the odds are stacked against the indie filmmaker. The old distribution model of making money with your film is broken and there needs to be a change. The future of independent filmmaking is the entrepreneurial filmmaker or the film entrepreneur. In Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, I break down how to actually make money with your film projects and show you how to turn your indie film into a profitable business. With case studies examining successes and failures, this book shows you the step-by-step method to turn your passion into a profitable career. If you're making a feature film, series, or any other kind of video content, the Film Entrepreneur method will set you up for success. The book is available in paperback, ebook, and of course, audiobook. If you want to order it, just head over to www.filmbizbook.com. That's filmbizbook.com. Enjoy today's episode with guest host, Dave Bullis. In this episode of the podcast, I have a guest who has been a composer in some of the biggest movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, Gladiator, Equilibrium, K-19, my guests and I are going to talk about all that, about how you actually work with guys like Hans Zimmerman, how you actually develop soundtracks for these movies, um, you know, how he actually got into that, because he actually was from a completely different background. And we're also going to talk about Film Hub, um, which is another avenue for filmmakers. Again, it's all about this podcast is about, is all exploring all these different avenues, talking about where the film industry is headed, and just hearing all these crazy stories about how we all got here and some of the crazy things that we've seen on set. So without further ado, with guest, Klaus Badolt. Yeah, I, you know, it was a bit odd. Like I, I had my first like tech startup uh, at 18 and then I sold that with 25 and turned around 180 degrees and uh, did music. And then I, uh, you know, mostly film music and then in Germany and then I went on, I think, in like 97. Like, like So I went on uh, to go to Hollywood on vacation and got stuck here ever since. <laughs> so what hmm. kind of startup did you have? Um, that was already a tech startup. That was like, you know, at the time when they didn't call it startup, you had to actually make money and the profit and, and, you know, to, to hire the next guy. Uh, and then I'm writing software at the, at the time. I, because, uh, part of that decision was, um, that the German music universities didn't take me. So I didn't manage to convince them, uh, with my entry exam performance. So I, uh, I, that, you know what? I'm just going to do the easier stuff to so do that stuff I, I know anyway. And that's the computer stuff. And then only a few years later, I then said, you know what? Let's, this is good. You know, it was a very successful company. And I, I don't feel it. Let's do music. 
Yeah, you, you know, it's so true with a lot of these startups. There's all about it's all about future earnings or potential value. Uh, have you ever seen the TV show Silicon Valley? <laughs> yeah, of course, exactly. It's all true. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's amazing. I have friends, you know, who work out in Silicon Valley, and they swear by the show. They they go, it is absolutely so true to life. Where you know somebody makes a piece, like you know, you and I make a piece of software for a weekend in our in our our apartment or uh you know a uh, dorm room, and suddenly you know we're selling it on Monday for you know uh, a couple million, couple you know uh, maybe even more. And it has it doesn't really have an audience or you know what I mean? It doesn't it's just it's just like this theoried piece of software that hasn't really proven it itself yet, but the potential value is there. Yeah, no, it's it's been crazy. And I spent I mean, now we're going basically backwards here, but I, I spent the last year uh, um quite a bit in Silicon Valley and and learned how they do things there, learned some of the techniques and um it's great though. It's great how to run a company. I learned so much you can believe, but um, compare this to LA companies or European companies, how they operate. There's a very different, different way of running things. And um, I mean, it has to do with why I'm doing this, this uh, startup as well in the film business to bring in different um, you know, dimensions, even the way of looking at it and you know, hoping to you're aiming at like redefining like a whole industry with this because our industry here in, in, in the film business doesn't really work um, that way, you know, oriented with metrics, seeing that, you know, you operate fast and not out of your guts, but have data to back up what you actually do. Uh, and that's actually very refreshing to me now as a, as a composer where you, um, it's interesting. It's quite a bit uh, similar, even though it sounds um, like it, it, it would be just emotional when you're right and just intuitive. And that's true. But at the same time, now I'm really getting carried away. Stop me anytime. But uh, it, it, when you write a theme, let's say for a movie, um, you are not a musician. You're a filmmaker, right? You, you, uh, you have the first five minutes or eight minutes, if you're lucky, to introduce the characters. You have to be very careful about the arc, telling the story. You, you make people hopefully love the characters so they actually go along with whatever crazy story happens after. And there's a lot of, if you want analytics about it, you have to, you know, like a script, they have the acts, you, you, you're shaping um, a, uh, something. And at the same time, you have to be very creative and emotional about it. So this is a great balance. It, um, I worked a, a lot with um, like songwriters and when it comes to scores, they, you, you can't tell the songwriter to adjust um, or, you know, you to react or to, to, to tell the story that, that tell the story in, in just the absolute space. And uh, that often ends in, in a disaster anyway, uh, but that's different stories. But, you know, you, I, I, you end up being holding the hand and actually making it work to picture. You're like the director of, of music in a way. So th that shows me every time that it's quite different. Writing music to movies is quite different to writing music. And there's lots of analytics uh, comes into play. You know, what, what are some of the things you've noticed just working from Germany to working in here? Because uh, you always hear a lot about, you know, how, how we're, you know, America is always compared to Europe, um, both, both in a good way and a bad way. Uh, so, I mean, what, what, are, what are some of your thoughts? I mean, have you noticed, do you, do you like w w better working over here 
I mean, because you know, if you if you were to stereotype Americans working, um, it's usually you never you never get a day off. You burn all your all your all your uh, vacation days, and um, you know you you never stop answering emails on your phone. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, that's pretty much me. So uh, obviously, I like it, but much better here. No, I mean, look, I've, I've been here for twenty. It's been now twenty years. And um, yeah, I think I can compare and also traveled quite a bit because of the movies. I went a lot to China, a lot to Europe, different European countries, which are quite you know different anyway. And UK is very different to France, very different to Germany when it comes to movies, but also to to like you know companies and their and the attitude and people. Um, I mean, there's a reason I'm I'm here and I'm staying here uh, and I live here. Um, is I do feel there's uh, lots more. Mm, I wouldn't call the cliche freedom, but uh, it, it's much more open what you do. Look, I would have not have a career if it wasn't, you know, I, I came here, I had no basically education and when it comes to music and you can do whatever you like if it was, as long as you make, you know, make people feel comfortable and you do a good job. And that's a pretty unique situation, I think, in general, uh, whether it's um, in, in tech or in, in film or music. Uh, but especially in in music, maybe and and, and film, where you, um, you know, it's it's very hard to talk about music, right? To judge music, you have your opinion. I have my opinion. Everyone has, but what does the audience feel? Everyone is different, so there's no measurement, no picture. You can see if it looks, you know, you can measure it. You can look at the frame, and say, look, move that visual effect a bit over to the left. But in, in music, it's really hard. So uh, you, to, you you have to have that 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 trust. And I think people here are much more generally open. You can totally screw it up quickly and then that's it. Um, but you have much more uh, of a chance, I think, to, to do things. And, and when, it, when yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to agree, you know. Um, you know, as we, as we start talk about your music career, so at what point did you realize that, Hey, you know, I, I want to start composing, uh, musical scores for, for, for movies and, and you've done some video games too. So at what point did, did you, you know that this is what you wanted to do? I always did more movie than music. I mean, I had my, my first, I didn't have a keyboard first. I had like, um, you know, a film camera first and I shot some short movies with the, the neighbor's son and, and mother, uh, you know, something like that. But so I always felt for movies, but um, I really never knew that I wanted to do it. I, um, I, you know, like I said earlier, I, I started with something completely different. I wanted to, but I was not like, I, I think the, the part of it was that I wasn't sure if I could do it. And even when I arrived here and I, I, I sat here in front of, uh, you know, the, the picture and then looked at it and like, wow, um, that's really hard. I mean, I've done this for years, but every time it's really, it's for me, it's really hard to create music and, and to be creative. It's really like a, like a, a, a writer friend once said, it's like, uh, you know, have to pour gasoline all over yourself and burn it. And when you feel the pain, then you actually start really creating. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a bit like that for me. Um, and I'm not alone, I think, with that. So, um, yeah, the, the, the process is, 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 uh, is difficult and it's, and it's very rewarding when it works, but it takes a long time to get there. So, obviously, I want to ask more about that because I, I think that that is a, a really cool way to put it. Uh, when you start feeling that pain and that's sort of the way you create. 
So if we were to sort of take that and dig a little deeper, do you think that the whole like starving artist, uh, you know, create constant sort of pain? Do you think that that is if <laughs> I noticed quite a few different types when I worked also with directors and, and also, but also composers that it's really hard to strive the perfect balance that you're critical enough to create good stuff, but not uh, question yourself to the level of pain that you cannot actually, that you're in your way and your own way of creating something good because you might see it. And I think that has to do with experience, but also of course with character you can get, get rid of. So it's, it's this healthy balance where you, you know, don't be too full of yourself, but also be confident. Um, I I always say it's like um, what you need is a lot of character, but no ego, and that's very difficult, right? So you have to bring in this this profile and make it very unique. Find the unique voice when you create, but don't bring in your own own personality when it comes to actually how to do the job. Um, because film is definitely a teamwork. And uh, that's actually the essential multimedia event, right? You have sound, you have a uh, picture, you have the actors, you have you know, the music, um, when it all comes together. So you, it, it's been always the teamwork, which, which I, what I like about film. And I've never been the type who like says like, oh, give me, give me the picture. It used to be the tape, right? Give me the tape and, and don't talk to me for six weeks. But always been... I always had like various studios where I moved close to where the director is. I had, you know, I have a place here, a mobile place when I had Warner Brothers and I sit next to the director if they if they actually uh, edit there or, you know, wherever, or in in, um, in, in Beijing, um, wherever I have to go, wherever the, the director is, I want to be and right next to the editorial and, and talk not about music, but like just, you know, absorb what they do. So, you, so you're part of that creative team and you understand I'm often on the set too when you understand where what it is the director actually wants to get out of it how he sees that arc of the scene the emotional arc etc so you, you you're part of that and it, you just have to express that in music and the editor has to express this with you know with the edit but it's the same work so when you're on some of these movie sets and you know you're, you're you're getting that feeling, and you're not really thinking about the music. You're more ingrained in in what everything's sort of like the you're ingrained in the process of you know of how it's getting done and everything. Do you when you do go back to the, or the, to 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 start composing the music for this? Like let's use Pirates of the Caribbean for instance. When you start going back and creating that music. Do, I mean, you're just drawing from all that experience of, of being on set of, uh, you know, maybe talking with the director of, 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 you know, of what exactly the, not only just what the scene is about or, or, you know, or the sequence is about, but just about the whole sort of underlining current of the whole movie. Yeah, actually, absolutely. Yes. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, maybe Paris wasn't a, the best example because I had virtually no time to create it. But you know what? It was a good example in that way because you have to then trust your instincts and, and improvise. And then it comes to your what you what you do without thinking. But ultimately, it's a lot. You're right. It's a lot of yeah. If you want experience to look, I have a lot of young writers who virtually want to prove themselves and they think they have to and that's true you have to but you know and you hear these scores which all sound like a uh, potpourri of of stuff because they want to show off they don't really actively or consciously do this but 
it it happens like that and and uh, when you make music for film you're um you're subordinate to the whole multimedia event to the whole story you don't you don't want to not dominate i mean there's strong music you have to write often so yeah you have to just be be careful in the in the give and take so, so class, let me ask you this when, when you're, you know, online and maybe you're, you know, lo just looking around at, at, you know, different websites and stuff. Have you ever come across some of the, like the stock music websites? Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. Of course. So, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's look, I don't even do demos. Like often, you know, in this industry, you have this, like where directors ask like a handful of composers for demos. And it's not that I'm like, I don't know arrogant enough to say like oh i don't do demos it's it's about i don't believe in that process because it's no process it's a shot in the dark and something sticks and then you don't know anything about the director composer relationship how it could develop or if the composer understands your movie as a director and so these sites are yeah of course if you I'm i'm i i'm a writer i always need um picture to work against i i need to be the yeah the filmmaker um um i i i admire that if you can actually write like yeah i imagine this kind of picture and here i go i rarely i don't think i ever done that so it's, it must be a very hard job actually to do that um and as a director of course you um you want that work relationship more than you want the music the best directors i had well, I, I like to work with the best ways of working together was always um, a director where you um, where you do not want to show off and where you don't need to um, you don't talk about music you don't talk about oh, what instrument you would like or that, that's actually the second it's not secondary but that's the output you're talking about the input you're talking about what it is uh, what symbolically what it is what's supposed to happen here what's the emotional content what, what's that scene for what's the moment for how do they feel and how do you want the audience to feel and by the way when you write music then you often as a director also notice this you suddenly get into like the the weaknesses of the movie by putting music on it or or writing to picture you suddenly realize uh, issues in editing and issues in oh are you, we're not clear about that moment here what do we actually want to say so music kind of crystallizes that gets takes it outside um and that's music as a, as a filmmaker right as a character as a as a part of the movie not music put in and slapped on top which sometimes works too but it's not it's not the same yeah, like, like music as a, as a character of, a, of, a, of itself. Um, you know, it's like the soundtrack of a, of a, of a life because, you know, mm. it, when you're watching a movie, it's the most interesting points of that per, that character's life, you know, and it's like this is the soundtrack of your, of your life, you mm. know what I mean? So, mm, yeah, uh, yeah, so, totally. so, 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 Klaus, let me ask you this. When, when you're one, what, what, what movie have you seen recently where you have just been, like, sort of blown away by the soundtrack? I have to admit, I am... Um... I'm the guy with the smallest score collection, right? I, I have 
my inspiration doesn't really come from film music, <laughs> um, and that's for several reasons. A, when you actually work, you you uh, inadvertently rip off, and you don't want that sound in your head. You don't even know where it comes from. I mean, I ripped myself off of a project I did three years ago and realized much later, like, oh, my God, that's the same theme. I can't believe I wrote this again. And literally, it happened. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now, back to the show. And nobody told me, uh, and nobody noticed, obviously. But um, I, um, I get my inspiration from very different kinds of music. So I'm the wrong one to ask if you inspired by that kind of music. And it's off, if if at all, it's movies. I would be hard for me to point out to um, is, but is where um, non-traditional composers, right? Uh, you know, we have too many guys who want to sound like, I don't know, uh, Jerry Goldsmith <laughs> or you know. It's like this this ideal which is over, um, and you need to develop new things and still serve the film. And you get this when I don't know when I listen to a Brian Eno score. That to me, well, not all of them, but there's some which were like, oh, this is interesting. I would have not done it like this, and I probably will never be able to to do it like that. But that gives you inspiration. I have lots of playlists of songs though, and classical music and and electronic music. Where, where I keep as an inspiration, like to rolling in my in my head and in the background, often just to where I get something from. So, so when you actually ripped off your own score, was it after after the movie had come out? You're like, oh my god, did I write? Did I have? Did I already write? Did I write that? It was years after. Yeah, it was a TV show actually, and I I ripped myself off, and I had no idea, and nobody at the time told me, and um, I mean, it wasn't like that bad, but I it was the same tune and. It felt great at the time, twice. <laughs> I mean, for me, like, like, oh, I did it. Look, at that sounds great. Oh, my gosh, I really, uh, this is good. It works. And I had done this before. And it's, I don't know, it, it happens. And I, I don't, you don't want to, that's the last thing you want. And the last thing I want is to sound like something I did before. And the last thing I want to sound is like someone else who did something before. So, it, it, but it's really hard sometimes. Yeah. It, it, it is, uh, it, you know, uh, so speaking of, you know, just of, of, of your process and everything like that, you know, what, what was the, you know, the absolute best experience that you've had making a score to a film? Hmm. And it's so many, I mean, there's, there are a few like, uh, but I think often is the indie films, which are more uh, you have an opportunity to be you have more integrity it's easier to have integrity in terms of uh, the the collaboration and and there's less opinions out there in, in hollywood there's a lot of different opinions and it's great to work like that but it's easy then to like um i don't know um t take the edge off everywhere and then at the end you sound end up with something mediocre um because nobody dares. It's it's dangerous, right? So I had some films like um, I remember. Oh yeah, I remember when like life changing was like when I did my first film in China, where the director Shen Kaige did um, you know let me let let me write a little bit, put me up in a hotel in a lake um, to enjoy and write, and I thought I came up with something okay, and he listened to it and nodded and said okay. Let me make some phone calls. I think I'm going to, if you don't mind, send you around the country for the next few weeks and you just absorb whatever we, we show you so you get a, a much deeper feel for 
where we are with all this. I'm going, yeah, basically like a 4,000 year history lesson compressed in a few weeks of sightseeing. And, and that was part of this whole process there. When I, and I think if I look back, I can hear that the, I was most inspired and it took me five months there. And I remember when I came back here to Hollywood, people asked me, so I heard you moved to China. I'm like, no, I just wrote a movie, but I'm not a movie, but I, um, I, I, that was like life changing event where you just want to be as good as the director and, you know, you could never be, you know, achieve that, but you want to contribute and, and there's a deep, um, yeah, just deep inspiration. That was also a project where we never talked about the media. I, I visited him a few times. So traveled to China, we met for a week or two and, um, I don't think a single time we even looked at the film the first few times we discussed his life and his his uh, symbolism in every shot and every, in every not shot but in every um, scene what he envisioned for this and and you just learn and we talked politics and you talked all kinds of things and then you prepared to to give I think that makes a good director right who who is just interested in getting the best out of your creation instead of trying to squeeze you into a certain track. So, so what, what did that, uh, with that, after you went on this, you know, this sort of history lesson, this 4,000 year, uh, history lesson in a, in, in a week or two, you know, did, when you got out, you know, and, and they finally, you got back and they, they asked you to compose this piece, mm. what was the outcome after that? I mean, what did you, was it a success? Um, yeah, it was a big movie there. It was called The, the Promise in China. It was a, one of the very first, you know, it was 10 years ago. So it was one of the very first, like, big uh, effects movies. And and the biggest um, compliment, I mean, you can hear in the themes, I had so many inspired themes in there. Uh, and they all did something for the movie at the right time. They, uh, um, uh, and, and, and the biggest compliment was, like, look, I mean, I was this German guy or European guy who lives in Hollywood and does a Chinese movie. So what do you expect me? I, I asked him at the time. So I'm not the, the guy who writes your a Chinese movie. It was all in Chinese, of course, right? And he's like, no, no. And he wants people to, with the music, to open up the film and the understanding about the film to a greater audience, to a bigger audience. And that's exactly, okay, well, so I absorbed a lot of these uh, Chinese instruments and history and, and stories and dances. I had like, I was at, you know, in museums and at mountains, you know, they performed dances to me and I listened to uh, ancient songs from all of these um, different minorities and uh, absorbed all this and put this in, but not to like rip it off, not to, you know, use this as a superficial color and impose myself on it, but to really like, you know, work it in and have flavors of this in there and there was some European flavors in there and of course Western flavors in there. So that was so um, satisfying for me as a process and you can you know you can hear this in the inspiration it's uh, that there is something new created you know and, and I heard some people told me that this is one of their favorite scores and not and they didn't know the story so you can, you can always hear how inspired you are. You, you, you mentioned uh, about the indie films, and uh, I, you know earlier on I mentioned Pirates oh. of the Caribbean. I, you know, I, I imagine just for the sheer thrill of it, because yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, no matter when it would come out, is going to be one of the biggest films of the year. You know, um, you know, from the first one to the fifth one, I think it, that came out a year or two ago. You know, um, it, it's just the fact that it's the you know it's a huge, huge movie. 
Uh, it's got Johnny Depp. Um, uh, I, you know, it's got you know a name director and Gore Vavrinsky. But if I could actually talk, and you know, and 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 so, I mean, I imagine you know when that when that comes out. I mean, I, I mean, I can only imagine Klaus when you could say, "Hey, listen, you know, you see, uh, he's telling anybody, friends, family, whoever, hey, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean that's coming out." You know, I I did music for that movie uh, because everybody instantly knows. Oh my God, that's the movie with Johnny Depp. Right, of course. I mean, it's always great to have something where you know your your you know, your family asks you, so what are you doing next? And you talk about the movie, and they're like, oh, I never heard of it. But uh, and then there's one, you know, there's the the occasional film where like, oh yeah, that's in everybody's you know mind and theaters, and and it's certainly one of the music pieces, but which are more known, but. Um, I don't know. Look at me. I mean, I'm I'm proud of it, of course, about talking this down. But I I um, did so many different things, and I always like to. Uh, it's so easy to fall into this Hollywood trap to to like what you do too much, and uh, career was never an option to me to be in the center of my own attention. I just did one thing after another and honestly I never really thought about like like moving here you know was one thing I never really thought about I was on vacation like I said and I can go maybe I can do this of course I loved it and I had the passion for it but I I didn't never expected it to happen I never expected and the same thing with Indian rights so I had right after Pirates for example I I didn't oh and the last thing I would want to do is to do two three four five seventeen make it a tv show but instead I remember at the time where I used the opportunity then to do a movie with Dick Donner, do a movie with Wolfgang Peterson, to do a movie with uh, Shane Kaige. All, you know, what I just said, like went to China five months. My agent was like, rip, you know, pulling his hair out. It's like, what are you doing? This is like the moment to put you can, your career. And like, ah, you know, it's not that I'm not interested, but that is exactly what I'm doing right now. Because of this, it enables me to do really interesting stuff. I've done, done a lot of French movies. Nobody cares for here in America. They don't travel, but just so amazingly satisfying that someone will hear the work ultimately and then you get another job. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Based on something you did, which nobody would have given you, you know, like I did suddenly comedy in New York. Wow. Nobody would have hired me for you know, a New York style comedy because I uh, did Pirates of the Caribbean, but they did that because they heard, uh, I don't know, Pidin Dicola in, in Paris when they went on vacation or, or, you know, had a meeting and like, who is this? And, oh, what? This is German guy. Amazing. Let's do that. So this is, I think if you constantly do good work and try to not really, re um, if you always reinvent yourself and try not to repeat too much because everybody wants that. Like, you know, they play, they put your music in the temp and say, I want exactly this. Don't change a note. This works great. Can you do this again? That's how often you get um, an assignment here is that you are in the temp. And sorry, but the last thing I would want to do is if I was a director, I would ask the composer to write exactly the same thing again. (laughs) That's like so not inspiring for anyone. And you probably can hear this. And you can hear, sorry, but you can hear composer, I won't mention names or films definitely where you um, hear like, well, I know exactly what happened in the uh, in the cutting room, how they asked the composer what to do, and you can hear it. <laughs> and that's not what I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? I, I found that in Klaus. Um, I found that in the latest Star Wars films. 
You know, yeah. I, I I like Star Wars. I like the idea behind it. I I mean, I I come from it from more of a writing perspective. Because if I, if you ask me what I what I am made out of everything, you know, don't be you know if, if, if that's why whenever someone says they're a jack of all trades, Klaus, I kind of go, well, everyone has to specialize in something. Everybody, you can have knowledge of everything, but everyone at the end of the day, everyone specializes in something. That that, that brought because that's what brought you to the dance. You know, you you have you know, there's one thing that you do well. So for me, it's writing, and when I'm watching these Star Wars, the new ones, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I just go, I just feel like everything is exactly the same. It's the same beats, it's the same shots, it's the same music. It's it's yeah, literally yeah, so it's, it's know, gotten yeah. so re- so re- so re- repetitive. Yeah, I mean, this is what um, now we're getting into what I think is a bit of a problem of Hollywood and a serious problem of Hollywood the last few years, especially that we are not afraid to tell a story, but yeah, in a way, like it's risky now to tell new stories. It has to be a franchise. And then you do that. And as long as there's a lot of people paying tickets for that, how can that be wrong, right? (laughs) Um, And and it's okay when we have to all keep the lights on and keep the industry going. it's just not so much what I'm. I, you know, I, I did do. Oh, I was about to say I never did sequels. I, I did do sequels. I have to admit, but uh, when it was, I made sure that, um, if possible, this was like okay. There's a franchise by the new director, um, a new like a restart of something, like you know, a fresh angle at something. Like when I did my first horror film, I told the director, I don't like horror. I wish it. I should. I'm not a big horror fan. Sorry, but um, so why are you asking me? And then we started talking. And it turns out he neither. So we want to do something, no, a genre, but something different. Um, and that was uh, in that case was well, it wasn't really a horror film, but like uh, Constantine it was a lot of like dark, dark stuff in there. And it ended up with a almost like a, a French um, impressionist film score. Um, you know, so then they, I think this interesting stuff happens, and and we we're a bit we've become a bit afraid of of doing this here, and that's why um, indie film can often be, you know, this way you try out things, and then they become mainstream. Uh, I, I personally think that indie is the new mainstream anyway. Look, uh, the last few years, last ten years, um, it's been always indie films um, winning or being uh, nominated for for all kinds of awards. Uh, but um, and there's always that commercial blockbuster thinking where you have to do another sequel of another prequel of another TV show. Um, I I know I'm just coming off a film which had like it's the fourth installment, but um, but there was a new idea again in there. Um, it's called the um, I think I can talk about it. So in the making, it's called the Ocean Ocean's Eight. You know, it's the Ocean's Eleven idea only. A very different cast and a very different fresh idea. It's it's an all female cast. It's fantastic, very funny and and it's like smart, right? So that that I can live with, and it's a it's a good mix of being okay. It's commercially very viable, but at the same time, there's a lot of new and fresh ideas, and you know, and there's a twist in in it, and you can talk about tell the twist and work on the twist. Yeah, I, I actually have heard of Ocean's Eight. Um, you know, the all female, you know, based upon the George Clooney movie, uh, Ocean's Eleven, but instead of being all males, all females. And, um, 
so I mean, when, when you you know do something like that, uh, you know, and, and you're sort of brought onto this franchise, is there any expectations at all? I mean, because real, I mean, what I mean by that is, do they, are they saying like, hey, listen, Klaus, you know, if you listen to Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, or what have you, this is what they did here, and we want something kind of similar, and you know, do, is it anything like that? Yes and no. Look, I mean, they would have, they could have easily asked the the old composer to do that if they want that same thing again. Um, but there's a reason they didn't. But there's also the expectations of the audience that you. Uh, I remember when working on Miami Vice, right? You, the audience has a certain expectations, expectation, and you, as a director or a film as a composer too, you have to not. You cannot ignore the audience. You, you should never do that. You play with that. You know, and my advice was very hard because the movie was very dark and very different than what, you know, the TV show was 30 or 20 years before that. But, and here too, it's, it's slightly different, but it plays with it. And actually, to me, that's fun. That That's okay. That's smart. That's, um, that's fulfilling the expectation and hopefully adding that twist to it. So it's interesting and fresh again. Uh, that That's fun. That's not like, okay, I have to do... Uh, I don't know, Pirates of the Caribbean times 17, and they won exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I actually really enjoy the Oceans movies, so I, I'm, you know, I'll check out Oceans 8. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of like, again, you know, I was saying, I, I, I totally get what you're saying about the indie films. It's kind of like, you know, writing, you know, it's like, it's, it's like composing itself, you know. We, we're on an indie film, you can, you have a lot more freedom, as you know, but when you're on a big blockbuster you know, you know, your, your freedom is kind of constricted, but when you, again, when you're telling you know people about it, you're like, well, Hey, listen, I just did music for et cetera. They're like, Oh wow. I actually, you know what I mean? Like, Holy crap, Johnny Depp. Um, sorry, I, I, sorry, I keep going back to Johnny Depp, but he's a, he's a very good example. You know what I mean? <laughs> of what I'm you trying to that, say, you know, you have mean? that obsession with Johnny Depp. I like that. No, but I know what you mean. Yeah, no, it's, it's this exactly like, it's so tempting. But again, I mean, I remember this when my mom asked me, so I just came out of the meeting with Steven Spielberg and and he kind of ripped half of the score apart on Gladiator and we were like, gosh, this was uh, one of the hardest days of my life uh, at the time. And and I tried to tell a little bit like, look, mom, we just did this. And she's like, okay, what, um, do we eat enough? <laughs> so, you know, it grounds you. She didn't care. Um, and you, you get back to like, okay, you know what? You need to bypass all this this hype about yourself and about others, and I think just get to work. So I'm not really impressed, ultimately, with when it comes to celebrities. It's only I'm impressed when you know again and again sounds like when they actually deliver and when you work with them and you realize and understand why they are who they are. Then it gets very very interesting. Um, there's some directors I had here. I don't know. I mean, when you work with uh, Tom Cruise, or so then it's. Uh, you you understand you know where that where the success comes from if you have to have a chance to work with but um but again you know in indie it's um it's as refreshing and as um as taxing to your creativity and um again you can you have more freedom to get out of you know do out of the box thinking and you can see now that the audience is really tired of the same, you know, Game of Thrones and Batmans and stuff, right? They, yeah, they'll see it, they'll watch it. But you know, I mean, I lately did a lot of uh, gathered a lot of data about this too. Not only they felt it, but there is a lot of data that people are um, want more variety. Now that you have the internet, you watch much more, uh, and you have theoretically access to much more. 
you don't have these gatekeepers because of um, shelf space, right? Before you could go to Blockbuster only and they had limited shelf space. So you, they, they couldn't put up everything or the theaters um, could only take on one movie a night or something, right? But now you have all this plus the unlimited um, resources of the internet. So you should be able to watch much more and, and, and the more and more people want that. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. They expect like everything to be available. And, and that's a big chance of indie. I think that you have now um, the chance of being um, uh, successful without being broadcast style popular. That means you don't have to have the millions of millions of viewers or, or tickets sold or something. Without that, your movie is a flop. <laughs> I worked on many flops. I know exactly how hard that pressure is, right? Um, I, um, and, and, and how limiting it can be. But now you can create something and you make this for an, maybe a smaller segment of an audience or have more integrity. Um, it's a little bit like music, like used to you have to you had to go to a recording studio you had to use that two inch machine uh, that tape machine and it was all very expensive you had to pay the thousands of dollars per day so you had to have all this machine would pay for this and um, you know the industry and all this. Uh, these days or like for a few years now you can actually write you know i've heard the best productions coming from your laptop um with some i don't know pro tools or whatnot on it and and it's really great stuff. You don't need at all. And it sounds amazing too. You just need talent, good ideas. Uh, and we have this now in movies too, right? That's the big chance of indie. We have now digital production pipelines make it very, very cheap for you to produce now. Uh, I don't know, including visual effects on your laptop at Starbucks, uh, which rival those we do here in, in, in those visual effects studios. Um, you, but not only visual effects you know that's just an example of everything you just you know you still need just like in music a good idea uh, tasteful implementation um, etc uh, that's still the same but you have now a great opportunity that you can move now a lot of things yourself and uh, that there's a demand on the other side for, of people who want to watch m more different things want to watch and give you, give the attention to your indie film. Uh, whereas before they didn't, didn't even have access to it because it wasn't there, it wasn't available. And now we can make it available in the world there. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned Tom Cruise, by the way, uh, to Klaus. You know, I, I once uh, met, um, I, I forget what he what he actually is to Tom, but I, I, he just said that the re he, he before you ever met Tom, he goes, he, he always wondered what he was going to be like. And then he said, once I met him, I knew why he was successful. And he goes, he, he wakes up every day at four or five in the morning. Um, he gets up and he just starts going. And he goes, he never complains uh, about having to be on set or doing another take. He never complains about having to do extra work. He goes, all the guy does is he, per he goes, you know, he's professional as can be. Uh, and he goes, he, he goes, I, I've never seen him. Uh, with a with a bad attitude whatsoever, and mm -hmm. he goes, you know, he gets a lot of crap in the media for for different things. Uh, he goes, but but you know, all that aside, he goes, the guy just is a, is a really hard worker. 
Yeah, in the tabloid news, that's one thing. But as a hard worker, exactly. I mean, he was uh, actually fantastic to work with. He was probably the only, um, he wasn't even the director on the film I worked with him, but, you know, the only, like, producer uh, who, you know, he had no problems seriously uh, going out at night to the deli and get everyone who was still working because he had to work all night for the last few nights uh, to get us some food. Um, so he uh, had Tom Cruise looking over my shoulder taking an order for uh, you know Jerry's Deli, so th- th- that that's true, and that's not like he wanted to be a, a nice guy. He's just like, yeah, let's do it. You know, keep keep working, and I really appreciate that. And then you can see how how this leads to uh, success, and well, of course, how it can lead to controversy. But he's a very visible man, so in in the in the in the news and everywhere. So, but again, I focus always, like I said earlier, I like to focus on actually working with these guys, and that's when they <laughs> they they gain my respect. Um, and then you realize, oh yeah, okay, I know now why. Yeah, yeah, and uh, see again, stories like that about Tom. You know, uh, uh, just you know, insanely hard worker and just likes what he does. And uh, you know, that's why when when his movies come out, you know, I'm always interested to see how how well they do. Um, again, with the whole balancing the tabloid side of things and, you know, you I mean, I, I, you know, I, I saw the mummy and, um, I, mm-hmm. I could definitely see what they were trying to do with it. Um, you know, I, I just think that the, the mummy as itself, the premise itself works at its best when Brendan Fraser had the, had the, um, <laughs> exactly. Because, I agree. Cause Brendan Fraser is just, he's just that he, he looks like a leading man, but he also can act like a goofball, you know what I mean? And it's that funny, and, he, and he, you know what I mean? And it just, it works so well. I think the, the, the Mummy with Tom Cruise just took itself too seriously. And I, I think a lot of audiences now, you know, um, w- you know, with all the options, you know, with all the options of TV and YouTube and everything else, and, and, and also with, with still going to the theater, I, I, I don't know if... If it found its, I actually I know it didn't find itself. You know, some of the some of the the horror in it was 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 fantastic, but I just think at the end of the day, you know, it's a lot of pressure to put on a movie to set up an entire universe. So you know, essentially, it has because you know what you know, it has to do so many things well, and at the same time, it has to be a movie by itself. So you know, you know, it, it just it's a lot to do, and I think it got pulled in too many directions. Uh, that happens a lot and again it's hard to because we seem to only be able to do franchises and re re uh, remanufacture refactor them right now oh like that's the big thing to do um yeah i totally understand what you're saying like the, the perfect anti-hero you know was Sven Fraser and and you know reminds me of i don't know harrison ford you know um you know indiana jones like he's like you you want that character who's like you know, you say goofy, but he's more like he can do. He can do it actually, but he doesn't want to. And that's <laughs> that's not the character. You know, you yeah, he comes in. Tom is always Tom Cruise, right? And there's you know, no matter he's good, he's a great actor actually. But he uh, really, I, I really admire his skills. No, no questions. No matter what, how thin the movie exact is, but he's really great. But he's always giving himself in, into it. Um, so. Do you expect that with them? It's it's hard to play against your own character, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's true, and, and he's doing what he likes and uh, doing what he loves, and he does all his own stunts too. Um, yeah, and, and I know, class, we talk about distribution. I want to talk about Film Hub. I know we're starting to run out of time. 
Um, see how see you know Klaus is kind of like a movie. It's like how how crap? How do we get all this in here? <laughs> We've got too much to cover. We 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 don't have enough time. Uh, no, don't know. worry, don't worry about it. No, this is not not supposed to. Play. Um, I I I I like to talk about um creativity, and I like to talk about um the the force and the and the awakening now indie should have and i want to bring because i believe in it myself and i've done it a lot and um with indie film and i believe that there's now this big change and and d- distribution or whatever it, the 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 overall solution is that we have now as indie filmmakers a new um uh confidence we should have it and who doesn't have it yet should learn about it because it is now possible. All I'm doing all the time now is with either with music uh, in films to support this and with film up, I'm doing this to support it on a much larger scale. Hopefully that uh, you can now check this off as a commodity. You can now, you know, you can now do films cheaper with your digital cameras. You can now do visual effects cheaper with, or, or on your own. You can now, check that off and check off distribution. You can now be in every living room in, in the world and you have to think of the world and not just your own country or, you know, we have to stop with thinking in domestic and foreign terms. You have to stop with uh, territorial um, um, limitations. Uh, we have to stop thinking windowing. This is all what the audience doesn't want. This is all what the industry wants to um, make a bit more money, you know, uh, to extort it even more, to milk the cow more. But just like in music, we've seen music is a, like a few years ahead of us in film. You can see how things happen there because also uh, the, the difference to me is only like bandwidth, right? Music is just less bandwidth needed, so, but you can see the same flow and you can learn from that. You can see how unimportant a big industry can render itself and then they come back to like what's the actual value Hollywood does have a big value but indie film has a much larger value than we have given us so far and to strengthen strengthen that um, in this case with the distribution platform where you you know don't have to pay anything and just be there and let it uh, check it off and then keep creating um, and we have much more much more to do there um, it's still, uh, even though we have the internet and everybody can now watch and you know, um, whatever they want, whenever they want it, uh, and wherever they want it. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um, that doesn't mean you make movies, by the way, for cell phones, right? Like this is has been talked about like for the last 10 years, but that's not the case. You just have much more freedom as the audience now to, to watch what you like. It's harder to find what you like because there's so much more now, but we have to now put all these tools into place, all these digital tools into place and leverage them as filmmakers. You, you got to move on and, and, um, and, and embrace this too. We have to stop being that dinosaur ourselves. And there's a lot more to talk about, right, when it comes to, but in general, it means like this is a great opportunity, this is the digital opportunity now uh, to create actually very beautiful and, and meaningful film, again, more than, if I may say so, Hollywood is um, dares to produce at this point. Yeah, it, it, and that's why. You know stuff like Film Hub, and I and I was reading your website too. You know, I've had uh, other people on here like Jason Brubaker from Distributor, uh, you know things like that. Where you know 
people are, you know, companies like yourself, they're, you know, it, it's a way to get on Amazon. It's a way to get on Hulu, uh, you know, so people can, because those are where the eyeballs are, right? You know, especially with Amazon, I mean, especially with Amazon, the way it's becoming, uh, they're trying to get more into the video market. Uh, you know, Hulu is Hulu, uh, you know, and all these different channels. You know, how do you stand out? You know, how, how do you get your film on there? Because, I mean, you know, even a couple of years ago, I remember, you know, just talking to people and I would say, how the hell do you even get a film on here? You know, how do you get a film on any of these platforms? You know, do you have to get an, a sales agent to, to pitch to them? And, you know, uh, a few years ago, maybe you did. <laughs> you know what I mean? And actually you did have to, you know, they had to have the contacts. They had to go through this and then you had to have deliverables the right way. And you know, uh, all right, all right, exactly. I, I mean, seriously, and, and you know, Netflix has their own way of delivering films, you know, and it's just, you know, do you have all that? Um, even deliverables a few years ago before that, Klaus, you know, you had to have, do you have a 35 millimeter print? Um, do you mm -hmm. have this? Do you have that? And you're like, well, for, for indie filmmakers, you know, that, that's, a, that's, you know, what, what, how much did, it, did uh, prints used to cost? Cost like $50,000, I, th I think, or something like that, or maybe exactly. a lot more. So, right, right, exactly. So, so, now, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. seriously, it's, it's, you know, and uh, so, so that's why uh, I wanted to have you on, Klaus, to talk about Film Hub and, and just all this stuff. I, I, I know we can't, we're, we're running out of time, um, but, you know, just, just in closing, Klaus, you know, is there any sort of parting thoughts that you wanted to say to sort of put a period at the end of this whole conversation? Well, again, like, I think it's about, to me, it's about, like, and I love um, coming on, on the show like this, is to talk about the, the strength of indie and that um, we have to develop now really quick our own um, confidence more than, you know, we think that often, I still, I was at Sundance again and everywhere I go in these festivals, is we still think too much of uh, what we want to achieve is to beat the old system, to get your film being picked up in 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 terms of uh like a, like a recording artists and music that also already means the kiss of death you have to develop it on your own and be your own uh, have an ownership model you have to change the model and uh, then the creativity can actually continue and so what we're building here with this film for example what i'm doing with my movie thing and to support like chinese movies is like there is such a variety out there and, and we just have to keep going um creating great stuff and this is now a much more open world, and then maybe next time we can talk a bit more about how I how I see how um, what the what in my opinion the right way of forward is the right vision forward is where this industry can be in in five years. But that's maybe too much for now. I could talk about it next time. <laughs> I, I know I'm actually now I'm, I'm tempted to you know uh, keep talking to you. Uh, just to, you know what I mean. I know you got I know you got to run, but I'm just tempted to keep you to to keep you hanging on just to just to sort of finish that thought. Um, I mean, you know, that's why, you know, I'm getting back into the swing of things too. You know, I, I got just burned out from doing things. And now, um, for, for listeners who, who, who've, you know, listened to the past couple of episodes, Klaus, they know I'm actually going to start making, uh, I want to make a, a, a faux trailer again, just a fun fake trailer and throw it up on YouTube. Um, I've been doing a lot more stuff, um, just with, with back getting into the saddle with this creative stuff. Uh, I've always been writing, um, and you know, it's just, it's just, you know, getting back into it because I realized, you know. I, I, I just talking with everybody, like even, you know, every guest, you know, I always hear different things and it's just important to get, keep going and keep trying and get, get back out there. Uh, because I, I mean, I flat out would be very honest with everybody. I got so burned out Klaus from just the amount of bull crap, um, just from like, you know, projects never went anywhere, 
to you shoot a project and then somebody holds it hostage on a hard drive, which I've seen, you know, uh, that only happened to me once, thankfully, but other people it's happened to them like two or three times, you know, just crazy yeah, editors. Yeah. Cause they're just singing, right. the, cause they're singing in the dark the whole time, you know, and they kind of snap, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but you know, again, I, I know you have to go Klaus and, uh, you know, uh, so again, I want to say thank you for coming on and where can people find you at online? Um, so we are at filmhub.com and my own personal website is at klausbadel.com or klausbadel.com. Um, so you can, you can find me there and, and go from there and, and reach out on Twitter. Um, we're a filmhub HQ. I, I monitor that personally too. And, and yeah, get in touch and, and let's, I think let's keep creating that revolution. I really like that. And I love that you, you know, going back, getting back into it too. We, we have to keep creating it. So that's, that's the idea. Yeah, you, you got to have one foot in theory and one foot in practice. Uh, it's dangerous when you, you know what I mean. So exactly. So yeah, uh, it, oh, thank you, thank you, Klaus. I just I, it's off top of my head, buddy. It's off top of my head. <laughs> so uh, everyone, it's DaveBullis dot com. Twitter, it's at DB Podcast. Uh, Klaus, I want to say Auf Wiedersehen, and no, Danke. Very good. Uh, mm. oh, thank you. See, see that that rudimentary German helped out. Uh, there you go. <laughs> That that'll help you worldwide. Yeah. Um, no, thank you for having me. A lot of fun. I, I keep following your podcast, and I hope it um, was a little bit insightful for someone. I want to thank Dave so much for doing such a great job on this episode. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at indiefilmmuscle.com forward slash 706. And if you haven't already, please head over to filmmakingpodcast.com subscribe and leave a good review for the show. It really helps us out a lot, guys. Thank you again so much for listening, guys. As always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive. Stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com.